Girlfriends, episode number 29, Your Cup of Tea. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome back. Welcome to another week of the Girlfriends Podcast. This week, I'm calling it Your Cup of Tea because I'm focusing on my first book that I ever got published, which was called My Cup of Tea. Just to give you a little background on this, I want to share with you some of my early writing life, my early publishing life, because I don't believe I've shared that yet here on the podcast. And it's a question people ask me frequently. I've gotten emails recently, um, especially from some people who are interested in writing themselves. They want to know how I got started. So um, I'll share a little bit of that background, a little bit of that story here. So going way back, um, I've always wanted to write. I've always been a writer at heart. It's something I've always enjoyed and felt I was good at in school. I just had a way with words that I felt like they were my friends and I could I could create stories. And I used to write fiction stories just for fun as a kid and that sort of thing. So is that I was that kind of a geek, not a, not ever a math geek, but a words geek. And um, so that was something I always really enjoyed. But then when Dan and I got married right out of college, um, I had no career aspirations whatsoever. And I just wanted to hurry up and get married and have a bunch of babies. That really was the end all of my plans and my career goals, which we did. <laughs> we definitely did get married and have a bunch of babies. Um, but I think it was um, the summer that I was pregnant with Stephen, who is our fifth. And we had, gosh, okay, so Stephen was born in 2001. And our first was born in 1995. And he was our fifth. So that was five kids in six years. Is that the math there? It's crazy to me now. Honestly, when I look back, the math is crazy to me now, but it didn't feel crazy then. It just felt right. It felt like what we were supposed to do, and I really think it was. Anyway, I was pregnant with that many little kids, and um, Dan as was working as a teacher, and he had the summers off, so uh, he would usually get a part-time job, and he ended up getting a job where he was working nights that summer. And I had all these little kids who were trained. I mean trained. I was a drill sergeant about this. They all went to bed at 7.30. Like, that just happened. And it makes me laugh now <laughs> because there is no way anybody's thinking about anything remotely like bedtime at 7.30 at our house these days. Even our little kids go to bed obnoxiously late. I don't even want to tell you how late they go to bed. That's how late they go. So anyway... This summer, I faced this situation where I didn't need to go to bed at 7.30, but all my kids were going to bed at 7.30. My husband was working, and nobody needed me. And so I thought, I need to give myself a project. And so that summer, I asked Dan, my birthday's at the beginning of the summer in June, and the only thing I asked him for that summer was to get our computer out of the attic. We had recently moved into this space to get it out of the attic and set up so that I could use it. And I was really just thinking use it for word processing. I just wanted to kind of work on my writing skills and um, put together some pieces of writing. And anyway, we ended up, he ended up doing that. I mean, that's an easy out for a birthday present, right? <laughs> and he set up the computer in a little space in our house and we ended up hooking it up to the internet with our dial-up connection. Um, and 
I decided that that summer I was going to just work on writing with no particular goal in mind. But I had a few pieces of, uh, you know, essays on family life that I was working on. And I enjoyed just the practice of working on my writing. And I spent my evenings doing that while Dan was away working each night. Um, And then from that, I took those few pieces and I sent them out a few places. There were not any real established ways to submit things to magazines, which is what I was doing um, online back then. This is back in the olden days. I'm telling you, this was the summer of 2001. So um, I sent things by snail mail. I sent things to Our Sunday Visitor. I sent things, ironically, to Catholic Digest. Um, I sent things to the National Catholic Register, Faith and Family Magazine, which was kind of just getting um, started under new management at that point. And my stuff found homes. I was so thrilled to finally, you know, get my first okay from an editor and get an essay that was published in Our Sunday Visitor, then one that was published in Envoy Magazine, then in National Catholic Register. And it was thrilling. I mean, I wasn't getting paid Boku bucks or anything like that. But I was making a little bit of money. And I was feeling this real sense of accomplishment, this real sense of achievement in um, what I was doing. It was a real great creative outlet for me. And then from that came an opportunity from the National Catholic Register. I kind of developed a relationship with an editor there, Dave Pearson. Shout out to Dave Pearson on the Girlfriends podcast. He will never listen to this podcast. (laughs) Dave was great to me. He was a great editor. I loved working with him. He worked on um, a section that was this particular family column called Spirit and Life. And he ended up asking me if I would regularly give them a column for that section. And I'll never forget that moment when Dan came home from work and I told him that I had been asked to produce this column on a regular basis for the National Catholic Register. And there was just like this dumbfounded silence between us. And Dan was like, you mean like you have a job? (laughs) And it was like, yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, that never was my goal in any of this. I really was not looking to make a career out of this. I was looking for a creative outlet. I was, you know, looking for an outlet for that side of my personality, but also that kind of validation and um, kind of sharing what what my perspective was with the world. I, I felt like there was something that I, I wanted to say, and this gave me an opportunity to say it. So, from that, I started producing these regular columns in that Spirit and Life column in the National Catholic Register, which I don't even think exists anymore. And Dave isn't there anymore. And, you know, life changes. But it was a really blessed time in my life producing that column. That was my one little job, you know, not making scads of money or anything, but just really enjoying that that art of writing and really kind of getting challenged by that again and getting my creative juices flowing. And it was totally fun for me. And then what came from that was an offer from the Daughters of St. Paul, um, Pauline Books and Media, to put together some of my columns for um, a collection of reflective essays that would be a book. And so that was like my first book deal. And that's what I'm talking about here in this podcast, My Cup of Tea. It recently came to mind because my daughter's boyfriend, Brian... Okay, I'm giving all kinds of shout outs to all these males on the Girlfriends podcast this week. Brian, shout out on the Girlfriends podcast. He 
um, asked my daughter, Catery, if he could read that book. And she was somewhat shy about it because there were stories about her in there. And not that they're embarrassing or whatever. I don't know. But he ended up asking me for it. So one night when he was over, I gave him a copy and I signed it to him and everything. And he read it like in the next 24 hours and texted me the sweetest thing about how much he appreciated it. And that the fact that he knows our family and can see our family in the early years in those essays was really meaningful to him. So I thought that was sweet. And then he passed it on to his mom who also enjoyed the book. So anyway, that kind of put the book back in my mind. And it has not been in my mind because, you know, it was published way back when. Um, the copyright on this this copy that I have here is 2005, but I really thought the original publishing date was 2004, so this might be a second printing that I'm looking at. Anyway, it's out of print now. You can get it in a Kindle edition. Um, and I need to research what my rights are because I do believe way back when, when they were letting it go out of print, Pauline let me know that the print rights would be reverting to me as the author and that possibly I could you know, do a reprinting of it myself in the future. And I might do that. But I wanted to share a little bit of this book with you here on the podcast because this book is close to my heart. In some ways, when I read the essays in this book, I cringe because this was me many years ago. This is me, you know, 10 plus years ago. This is my family at a very sweet time, at a very special time to me. It's really um, meaningful to me that, to look at the perspective I had back then. I think in some ways I was incredibly naive. In some ways I was saccharine sweet. And uh, I just kind of like that little look at our family life. And you kind of cringe in the same way you do when you look back at old prom pictures or something, because it's not you now. Um, and yet there's something about it that you appreciate. And so Brian asking for the copy of the book kind of made me pull it off of my own shelf and kind of browse through it and look at some of the essays that I wrote way back when about family life. And um, I just want to share with you the the introduction and the first chapter here in this week's podcast, um, because it gives you an idea of what the book is about, and maybe you'll consider checking it out on Kindle. But then the My Cup of Tea, the first chapter is called My Cup of Tea, and that's really what you know the, the title of the book came from. Um, and it's kind of the feel and the idea behind what I was doing in this book and what I was doing in these essays was kind of sharing this little glimpse of my family life and my perspective on it, as challenging as it was that I really felt like it all was a blessing and a privilege and a joy. I might be breaking copyright laws. I don't know. Hey, Pauline Books, let me know if I'm not allowed to make a recording of my own words years after the fact. <laughs> but in the meantime, I'm going to get this out there and, and share this with you. So um, here's the introduction. In order to help you understand my approach to writing this book, I should begin by telling you a little bit about who I am and what I do. I fill sippy cups. I break up spitting fights. I read Curious George Flies a Kite several times a day. I do not, however, read in-depth analyses of daily news, nor do I research writings of the saints or the doctors of the church. I am just a mom seeking to know and do God's will on a daily basis and meeting with varying degrees of failure and success. In other words, I'm no different from many Catholic women. Busy mothers' thoughts are subject to interruption at any hour of the day, and our attention spans are incurably short. For these reasons, we need bits of inspiration that we can grasp in a few spare moments. We need deep thoughts that will stick with us long after we put down the book to chase a naked toddler. In this book, I have tried to share small thoughts in a way that can be beneficial, whether they're read all at once or browsed through in scraps and spurts throughout a busy mother's day. 
The chapters have been written over the course of a few years and arranged according to subject matter. You'll notice that my family has grown along the way. I have to be honest, though. It's true that misery loves company, and that's part of what compels me to share my less-than-glowing moments in the following pages. There are times when all an exhausted mother wants is an opportunity to unload her complaints on a sympathetic ear. We want to confess, I am tired of sticky little hands pawing at my face. I can't find time to scrub the bathtub, and I'm not sure I even want to. And if one more person asks me to cut the crusts off a sandwich or tie a wet shoelace, I'm going to lose it. In trying moments, we want reassurance that our feelings are normal, shared by many women, and that we will survive them. In my own life, I find that the most beneficial glimpses of spiritual insight and encouragement come through personal conversations with like-minded women who share their life experiences, help me to find humor in my struggles, and keep me focused on my goals. That's the kind of sharing that I hope to accomplish in this book. Of course, there's more to my motivation than sharing misery. My faith in my family bring me an abundance of joy. When I slow down enough to recognize it, I know that my heart spills over with the goodness of God's grace. When a simple soul is filled with such an overwhelming surplus of undeserved blessing, it's hard to keep the good fortune to oneself. Thus, the biggest part of what I hope to accomplish here is to share the bounty with my friends, with my neighbors, and with you. As it turns out, happiness loves company too. Chapter 1, My Cup of Tea, Embracing the Mixed Blessings of Parenthood. 2001. The gentle beginnings of sunshine filter through my kitchen window. The air is just cool enough to make a sweater feel cozy. Chickadees chatter and play at the outdoor feeder. It is a beautiful morning, but what I relish most about this particular morning is that so far, I am alone in it. I just nursed the baby, and he is now silent in his crib. My husband and other children are still dozing. Even the dog merely groans and shifts his sleeping position as I shuffle past. The refrigerator hums and the clock ticks. The kitchen tiles press clean and cold against my feet. What to do? I almost panic. Every mother knows this moment, a rare, precious instance, when we find ourselves unexpectedly alone and surrounded by quiet and opportunity. My eyes search the room. Unload the dishwasher? No, too mundane. Start a load of laundry? No way. When my eyes land on the tea kettle, of course. I will have a quiet cup of tea, I decide. A quiet cup of tea all by myself. What luxury! While the water heats, I select my teacup carefully. I choose a ceramic mug featuring a red barn and green mountainous landscape dotted with pasturing cows. Vermont is printed in the lower corner. This is my favorite mug. I bought it in a little gift shop just hours after my husband proposed to me on a picnic blanket in a pretty country field in Vermont. I have stubbornly held on to the mug through the years as a reminder of that special time in our lives, a time when we would drive to Vermont for the afternoon simply because it was a nice day for a picnic. Now, as parents of five young children, those days seem far away. This mug seems the perfect choice for my quiet cup of tea this morning. I fill the mug and I'm on my way to the rocking chair when I hear something. It's a tiny squeak. It's a squeak the baby's crib makes. It squeaks when he kicks. He kicks before he cries. I stand a few feet from the rocking chair, holding my mug, holding my breath. 
The squeaking gets louder. I glance at the clock. He can't be hungry. Maybe he'll go back to sleep. A whimper emanates from the bedroom. He's not really crying, I tell myself. He'll probably go back to sleep. The whimper grows louder, then turns to a wail. I set my mug on the counter and race upstairs to pick him up before he wakes anyone else. I return downstairs with my crying infant, a tiny intruder upon my solitude. I try to nurse him. I check his diaper. I wind up pacing the floor and bouncing him in my arms. This soothes him. At last, he lets out an enormous burp and promptly falls asleep in my arms. I carry him carefully back upstairs and gingerly place him in his crib. He stays asleep, so I slip back to the kitchen. I think I still have time before anyone else wakes up, so I return to my cup of tea. This time, I make it to the rocking chair and sit down with my steaming mug. After one or two sips, I hear a different noise. This time it is the sound of toddler feet scamping across the wooden floor and chubby little hands working at the bedroom doorknob until it gives way. Within minutes, I am face to face with Juliet, my fuzzy pajama-clad two-year-old daughter. Come up, she announces as she scrambles into my lap. Want some, she declares as she lunges for my tea. I adeptly balance her on my knees and hold the mug away from my body and out of her reach until she settles in my lap and snuggles against my chest. This is not so bad, I think, sipping my tea. I am not exactly alone, but at least she is quiet and willing to just snuggle. Then I feel something. It is a cold wetness seeping through my pants and onto my leg. My cuddly early morning companion is soaked and leaking. I scoop her up and sneak upstairs to find her a change of clothes. I tiptoe to the dresser and stealthily open a drawer. I fumble a bit in the dark and jump at the sound of my six-year-old daughter Catery's voice. Is it morning or what? No, I try to convince her. Go back to sleep. She is not convinced. Then why are you guys up? Do I have to stay in bed? Before I can think of a reasonable response, I am interrupted by the raspy voice of my three-year-old son Ambrose. I need some juice. He squints at me expectantly in the dimly lit bedroom. Hey, how come no one got me up? Now it's five-year-old Eamon. I sense defeat, so I surrender. I lift the bedroom shades, change the diapers, dress the little ones, and head downstairs where I pour juice, make oatmeal, and unload the dishwasher. I don't think of my tea again until later that morning when I am vacuuming the living room and I spot my mug, still full of tea, near the rocking chair where I left it. The pasturing cows seem to mock me. You thought you could have a cup of tea this morning, they laugh and moo. You don't have time for tea. Tea is for other people. I resolve to heat my tea as soon as I finish vacuuming, but I am immediately distracted by the sound of Catery calling my name. She's in the front yard, and apparently the dog has stolen one of her beanie babies. When I approach him to retrieve it, he lowers his head, growls, and takes off running. The children shriek with delight at the sound of their mother chasing an obviously more athletically inclined creature. Eventually, I do tackle him. And with a great deal of pleading and prying, I managed to extract a stuffed parrot from his jaws. Hours later, I am fixing a row of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the kitchen when Ambrose brings me my cup of tea from the windowsill where I left it. The cows are smug. I give them a dirty look and place the mug on the counter. While the kids are eating lunch, I determine to defy those cows. I put my mug in the microwave to reheat. Behind me, I hear a thud followed by a gasp. I whirl around to see a gallon of milk on its side on the kitchen floor. 
as I watch it glugs its contents into an ever-widening pool of white. Eamon stands guiltily beside it. I know what they say about spilled milk, but I feel like crying anyway as I mop up the mess with a dish towel. The cows are right, I think bitterly. I can't even drink a cup of tea. With envy, I think of women whose lives aren't filled with constant distraction, women who have time for tea. I long for their organized, orderly, tranquil lives. A few hours after lunch, I'm doing the dishes, still nursing my sour mood when Eamon approaches. With a little smile, he hands me a piece of paper. It is a drawing of a blue koala bear surrounded by hearts. He heard me say once that I like koalas, and he knows that blue is my favorite color, he explains. He gives me a hug and walks away. There is no particular reason for this gift. He just loves me and wants to make me happy. His gesture reminds me that although I may not have time for tea, my time is well spent. Later that evening, I come across my cup of tea in the microwave when I'm cleaning up after dinner. I pour the cold, dark liquid into the kitchen sink. The cows are quiet as I wash the mug, dry it, and return it to the cupboard. Sometimes the endless tasks that fill my days seem insignificant, but I know the work I do is tremendously important to the five little people who are most important to me. My children occupy almost all of my time and energy. They constantly challenge me to be a better, more patient, more generous person, and they repay me with blue koala bears and unconditional love. That, I realize with a triumphant smile, is my cup of tea. So there you go. There's chapter one of My Cup of Tea, Musings of a Catholic Mom from Pauline Books and Media. And it's available in a Kindle edition. So if you're interested in getting a copy of that, I'll put a link in this week's show notes at daniellebean.com. Hey, girlfriends, who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. So I get to talk to Anna Mitchell every week because she is host of the Sunrise Morning Show on Sacred Heart Radio out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm a guest on that show every week, every Tuesday morning. We've been doing this for years. I've been a regular on her show. I was uh, on when Matt Swaim used to do the show with her. And we've just really developed a friendship and connection through the years. So I am thrilled to share a little bit of the awesome Anna Mitchell here with you on the Girlfriends podcast. Take a listen. everyone. It's a pretty awesome day here at Girlfriends because my good friend, the pretty awesome Anna Mitchell is here with us. Anna Mitchell is the producer and host of the Sunrise Morning Show, which runs Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on Sacred Heart Radio in Cincinnati. The first hour is syndicated nationally on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Anna lives in Cincinnati with her husband, Will, and daughter, Rosemary, affectionately known as Roma. Oh, hi, Anna. Welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so glad you're with us. Hey, thanks, Danielle. You left out that you're really the star of the Sunrise Morning Show, though. <laughs> You know, I'm keeping you guys on the air. For, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm on the show with Anna once a week, and we've been doing this for years. Yes. And it's just been a blast for me being a part of the show in that way. And it's fun now to turn the microphone around and oh, interview my, my interviewer. She's on the hot seat, 
And from what I've heard, Anna, you're a little bit jittery about this. I'm a, I'm a little nervous. I'm not used to being interviewed. I much prefer the the powerful <laughs> side of the microphone, which is the <laughs> one who's asking the questions because you're in control. That's right. And, you know, now now it's the other way around. Oh, my and, gosh. And wow. now I get to know how you feel on a weekly basis. That's right. You, you could see the pressure you put your guests under. I know. It's, I know. It's only right. It's only fair. <laughs> We're going to share this with everybody who's a regular on the show. So, but these are softball questions. No, they're, they're fun questions. I love asking these same questions to everyone who comes on the show because it really shows the ways that we're different, but also the ways we're the same. And I am never, never disappointed by the unique perspectives that our guests bring on. So, Anna, if you're ready, we'll just dive right in here with our first question that I ask everybody who comes on Girlfriends. Tell us about a time when you felt like you really triumphed. When did you first feel a sense of achievement with your work or in your personal life? Okay, I have an answer to both of those aspects, if if I'm allowed to do that. Perfect, I'd love it. So, um, personal triumph was going natural in childbirth. Woo! Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm <laughs> High sure five. you as a you as a mother of eight are probably like whatever and ridiculous that you, you would feel so oh triumphant my, about. No, this. I think it's awesome. No, really. <laughs> tell us more because I, I love this. I love how empowering childbirth can be for women. Yeah, you know, actually the story of Roma's birth is pretty hilarious because um at the time, you know, Matt Swaim just recently moved on from the Sunrise Morning Show to the Coming Home Network. Um, but he was my mm-hmm. co host at the time and it was just the two of us on the show, Brian Patrick had left to be part of EWTN News Nightly. Um, I think, I think I was just 20 weeks pregnant when he announced that he was leaving the show. And so, um, so 20 weeks later, I'm leaving the show and leaving Matt practically going solo. Mm -hmm. And we had this guy that was filling in for me, who was going to fill in for me while I was, while I was on maternity leave. And so he was coming in basically every other day to um, to kind of do news in my stead so that he could get used to it before he had to do it five days a week. Right. And so I woke up the morning that that Roma was born, and it was a Wednesday morning, and I have to wake up at you know four in the morning. Um, Crazy. Yeah. And I woke up not feeling well. In fact, I went to bed not feeling well, but I woke up really not feeling well. And Will told me, "Don't go into work." And I said. I can't. It's not a Graham day. And <laughs> the name of the guy that was filling in for me. Right. And I was like, I have to go in. I can't do that to Matt. And so I went in and usually I go in at about five in the morning and, um, and I would have a, you know, about an hour of prep time before the show and, and then, you know, do the show for the three hours afterwards starting mm-hmm. at six. And, um, I managed to get through that hour of prep, um, Pretty well. I was not feeling great, but I managed to get through it. But as the opening jingle of the Sunrise Morning Show was coming on at six o'clock and we were, you know, nationally syndicated, mm-hmm. I could not sit. I was <laughs> like, I was going to be on the air at, I go on the air at about 6.02. At six o'clock when we're going, when the show is going on the air, I am pacing oh in the gosh. office outside of our studios and I would come in and this turned out to be my routine for that morning. I came in and, um, and I, I sat down and did the news, which is about five minutes long. And then I would go out and I paced and paced and paced because I could not sit and, and then would come back in time to put together my next newscast, which was a half an hour later. 
mm-hmm. and um, sit down and do that. And eventually I couldn't even sit doing the news. Like oh I had to gosh. stand and read the news. And so... <laughs> Were I you doing it. breathing exercises oh in between gosh. these? You know, I mean, it was it was unbelievable. There was a point where I got like physically ill, and oh I um, I remember I was supposed to do an interview, and I was like, Matt, you've got to do the interview. I can't, I cannot sit for this long. And it turned out that she was. I don't even remember what happened, but the interview didn't happen because she didn't answer her phone. And so Matt had to cover, and I had no idea because I wasn't even in the office. I was too busy getting sick. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, I get to the end of um, the second hour of our show, and that was – at the time, we we had two national hours. And so then – um, as our local hour was coming up, the eight o'clock hour, my boss was in by then, and he was like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> That's what we needed—a grown-up to show up and tell right, you to go home. <laughs> exactly, and so I was like, "Oh, but I only have an hour left." So I ended up recording a newscast that they could play at eight thirty Eastern time. I did the eight o'clock news live, and by the time I got done with that and walked out the door, Will had come to pick me up. He was oh like, "You're gosh. not driving home." <laughs> so then. Um, you know, we call the doctor and the doctor doesn't answer because it's not office hours yet. So we had to wait mm-hmm. for them to call back. And, you know, I'm just sitting at home. Like I, I knew I was in labor, but at that point I didn't know what I was going to do. It's my right. first kid. Right. right and so sure. we wait for the doctor to call and she's like, oh, well come into the office and we'll check you out. And then, so we go into the office and that was a terrible, terrible drive. I'm sure any woman who's uh-huh. been in labor before knows what it's like Ouch. in a car. Yeah, and you think your husband's deliberately hitting every bump on the oh road. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> what it's a jerk. so true. And actually, <laughs> on the way to the doctor's office, Will had to stop and get gas. We were almost out of gas. I mean, it was just like <laughs> one thing after the other. So finally, we get to the doctor's office, and they let me in pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, the doctor checks me out and she goes, oh, you're at six centimeters. Why don't you go to the hospital and I'll see you in a couple of hours. Oh, and my gosh. By the time we got checked in, it was like noon that day. Roma was born like two and a half hours later mm-hmm. um, or maybe three hours later. I don't remember exactly. But um, but in any event, uh, you know, there was one point I told the nurse that I wanted to go natural mm-hmm. um, and that I was I was pretty determined to do that. And you and I have talked about um, my great love of redemptive suffering. Yes. And I was so determined to go natural because it was my one opportunity to really suffer for souls. Right. right. Like I, this was a really pious thought of mine. But then like probably about a half an hour before Roma was born, I had no idea how far along I was. But mm-hmm. I was like, nurse, I'm, I think I'm ready to give up. And she goes, she goes, you know, Annie, I think, I think you can do this, but it's up to you. And that was really all she had to say to me. And I was like, fine. Can you give me some Tylenol? Will that help? Oh my gosh. She's like, no, no, that's not going to help. And then Roma was born um, pretty soon after. But actually just a little side note on that. um, My one friend who I was willing to tell at that point that I like wanted to go natural because of the redemptive suffering thing. Mm -hmm. I was too scared to tell anybody else. Um, She actually, when she found out that I was in labor, she texted my husband and he just read this text message out loud without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. He said, she said, um, if she's in a good mood, tell her to pray for me. Wow. And (laughs) that's a little bit of pressure there. 
Get in a good mood. Oh my gosh. It was so funny because I mean, I like, I literally, I laughed out loud, but I was like, that was another point in there that I was like, you know what? I can do this because Mm -hmm. this is what God calls us to do. Right. And it was like this wonderful little spiritual message that I got in the midst of that. And then I look back on it and I mean, I was in labor for like what, four hours. I mean, Mm -hmm. nobody in my family ever takes long um, in labor. And mm-hmm. so I wasn't suffering for all that long compared to what I've heard other women sure. tell their stories for, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, it was a, it was a triumph. Still me, pretty so. intense. Yeah. Wow. What a story. I thought for sure it was going to end up with Roma being born onto the newsroom floor. Oh, well, <laughs> man, you were if, risking that anyway. <laughs> you know, if Matt and I had, you know, just been left to our own devices, that probably would have happened. Yeah, you're like a couple of kids in that newsroom, not knowing. completely clueless. You would have think that Matt, who had a kid himself, Mm. you know, It takes the men a little longer to pick up on these things. Yeah. Yeah. By the time my husband and I had our eighth, you know, he was like a pro, but it took him a while (laughs) to get there. And he would be like the one telling the nurses, no, no, you don't understand. When she gets like this, it's like 10 minutes. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't doubt this father of eight. <laughs> it's awesome. I, I hope Will and I get to that point. Yeah, know? yeah. What a great story. I love that. And I love that you feel that sense of triumph because, you know what, even if your birth doesn't go the way you planned, and I totally understand all the different feelings you described there because I've been through them all, even as an advocate of natural childbirth, like, especially that first time when you don't know what lies ahead. I know I checked into the hospital at, like, you know, 7 p.m. with my first. And just because my older sister had checked in, you know, with her first, at you know, at night and then went all night and had the baby the next morning, I assumed that's what I was going to do. But I had my baby by 11 and was ready to give up like 1500 times between there, you know, that you don't know. And you're just assuming like, oh, this is forever. But um, I, I love that because even if it doesn't go the way that you planned, and I think a lot of us end up, you know, disappointed sometimes afterwards, that I think it's so empowering to to recognize the fact that we're made for this. We're built yeah. for this. Our bodies can do this. Our bodies will do this whether we consent to it or not. Absolutely. <laughs> and so to me, that's a very powerful thing. And it kind of just gives you that shot in the arm right at the beginning of your motherhood. Like, you can so do this. And I think yeah. it's great. Most definitely. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, when I when I think about, like, the radical feminism movement, not to turn this into a political discussion, but, mm-hmm. you know, when we, we have this movement to, like, make women more like men and I'm Mm -hmm. like no 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 let's just be proud of I mean there is one thing in this world that men absolutely cannot do Mm -hmm. and that is deliver a child right yeah yeah we need to own that that. absolutely that's that's one of our gifts and strengths and no need to make it more manly (laughs) I agree I agree all right well you promised a professional triumph too right oh yeah um okay let's hear it from a professional standpoint, I have to say it feels like a moment of triumph whenever I, I book a really awesome interview as the producer of the morning show. Um, yeah. And most recently, that triumph would be um, getting – I've actually gotten – man, it's – you know, I really miss Matt. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I really miss having Matt on the show with me. Mm-hmm. But because I am now the host of the show, I have gotten to interview four Cardinals in the Woo! past um, several months – and it's been incredible. The most recent one was Cardinal Raymond Burke, um, mm-hmm. who came in for the uh, the 15th anniversary of Sacred Heart Radio here in Cincinnati. And I got to spend an hour with him. 
And when you're in a, when you're in an interviewing situation, and this happens to me all the time, um, because, you know, I'm doing a three hour program five days a week and Mm -hmm. then I'm recording things after the show too. So I'm talking to really smart, awesome, holy people. And it just feels, I mean, on a daily basis, it feels like a triumph to just know that I'm, that I'm even, you know, virtually speaking in -hmm. their presence and, um, and it's just, you know, it's a triumph to, to know the kind of, the kind of people that, that respect the show enough to be willing to come on mm-hmm. and, and join us for, you know, just a short amount of time. And it may not come as any benefit to them whatsoever, except, you know, to edify the certain number of people who are listening. And, um, yeah. that's always really a, a triumphant moment for me. Wonderful. Now, who's yeah. your dream interview to book? You're going to say Pope Daniel Francis. Oh. <laughs> Yes, the hour-long tell-all with Danielle Bean. <laughs> um, actually, the I would, oh, gosh, Danielle, I would love, love, love to interview Pope Benedict. Oh, um, yes. I would love um, to hear gosh. that interview. Okay, we're going to work on it. Yeah, let's make it happen. So if yeah. there's anyone listening to the Girlfriends podcast right now, <laughs> and you have a connection to Pope Emeritus Benedict... Yes. I would love to interview him because he can speak English. You know, Pope Francis would be great. Don't get me wrong. But um, he's not very good at English. And that doesn't make for good radio, you know, true, communication. True. But so, he talks a lot on airplanes. So if you could <laughs> if you yes. could get him on a plane, he'll probably say anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he would certainly be fun because you could just, I mean, man, you could just lead him in any direction and he'll just go there. <laughs> All right, so Pope Benedict first, seeking connections yes. for the Pope Benedict interview of the century. That would be incredible. And then as a close second, we'll take a Pope Francis on a plane. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Okay, great. All right, well, we've got enough time to hit another question here before we get to your lightning round. So we'll go on from your triumphs to your mistakes. This is the part I love. This is where it gets juicy. Tell uh, us yeah. about a mistake you once made, Anna, personally, okay. professionally, whatnot. What did you do? Yeah. You know, it's funny. The first thing that I thought of, and this is like, oh man, I still like it. It's painful to think about every time. So this is a professional mistake. Um, of course, when, um, before I was host and producer of the show, I was just the news person on the show and I still am the news person on the show do these newscasts. And, um, and so we subscribe to the Associated Press for secular news stories, for voicers that reporters give so that you can have, you know, sound on during your newscast. So it's not just my, me reading the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, this was right after the Newtown shooting, of course, you know, when, when 20 little first graders were shot to death horrendously, um, in December. And, um, I played a reporter's voicer that, recounted that played in it um, a 911 call from within the school and you could hear the gunshots in the background. Oh my gosh. And I didn't think anything of it other than, you know, this is a really compelling story, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought that people would appreciate hearing it. Well, one woman called in and I didn't talk to her. Brian Patrick talked to her and he came in and told me about it and said that he agreed with her. Um, she said, those gunshots were hitting children and it knocked the wind right out of me 
because it didn't even occur to me. Mm-hmm. And and when I look back on that mistake, and it really was a mistake on my part um, to have played it, and uh, oh my gosh, every time I think about it, I just get I get so embarrassed about it because I never I don't think about the news happening to real people. You mm-hmm. know, you get you get in such a, a groove, and I think that everybody does this. It's not just necessarily because I do it for a living. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Pope Francis actually talked about this um, the other day in a speech to the World Food Program. He was talking about how how there's like this naturalization of suffering. We see so many images, we hear about so many things that that it just becomes natural for us to witness someone's tragedy and that it's not it's it's almost like it's not affecting real people when it actually is affecting real people Mm -hmm. and that's something that has really stuck with me ever since when I am approaching my job Mm -hmm. is that you know these are real people and I need to remember that right such an important lesson for somebody working in media but even for all of us, because I think the news is, it can, if you're not careful, turn into almost a form of entertainment. Yep. And the people are the props in that. And how yep. how sad to turn people into objects for our entertainment. I think of like our celebrity culture, for example, mm-hmm. that um, I had a close call, well, a sort of wake up call once um, where it wasn't even me that made the mistake, but I witnessed it and I would have done the same thing where somebody had written a blog about a pseudo celebrity kind of an author or whatever and it was within our little catholic circle of blogs and was very critical of this person and something about his wife and it was just you know not Mm -hmm. the best and that guy commented (laughs) and my friend the blogger was like holy cow i am such a jerk and and it was for me like watching that like i could have easily posted you know a little flip Mm -hmm. comment it's kind of funny and whatever you know but these are people's lives these things matter and these people have feelings and they're going to read it and see it and so very important and especially with the kinds of tragic news that we have today that you know even even those of us who aren't reporting the news being sensitive about the way that we talk about the news and the way that we receive the news and being prayerful in the ways that we you know communicate with other and you know the ways that we respond to things that happen in our world I think it's a really really important reminder yeah most definitely yeah well great thank you for sharing that I think that's really important um well we've got just enough time now for your lightning round if you were nervous at the beginning now you really really need to get nervous okay 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 I'm shaking A bright light in your face, you know, like we're, we're going to make you super nervous with these really tough questions. So, okay. all well, right. Just keep in mind, I've been awake for a while. So I, I know this is good. Quickly responsive as you might want. Yeah, just but you're saying. more vulnerable to, you know, leaking, <laughs> leaking important information. So <laughs> we'll get it out of you. All right. If you're ready, this is going to be Anna Mitchell's lightning round on the Girlfriends podcast. Okay, Anna, here we go. What was the last book you read? Was it thumbs up or thumbs down? Oh, gosh. The last book I read was... Or you can do Netflix if you're not reading. No, I read. I just don't remember. I mean, I read books like... You know what I'm reading right now? It's what? New Testament Basics for Catholics by Dr. John Berksma. Oh, my gosh. I'm doing a series with him on it. So nice. I'm kind of reading it as we go along. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, and that book is incredible. Okay, great. All right. What do you find most challenging about being a working mom? <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> That's a good answer. 
All right. What's your favorite way to hang out and connect with friends and family? Favorite way to hang out. Um, I just, I just like sitting at home with either a glass of wine or a movie or a beer or over dinner or whatever happens to be my friend or family members, yeah. uh, you know, favorite thing. Nice. Okay. And then finally, we all know that you can host radio. What's something that you're surprisingly good at that we wouldn't know about? Oh gosh, I'm not good at anything. Yes, you are. Come on. Um, um, I am, well, I'm not surprisingly good at it, but I think people might be surprised to know that I, I am capable of playing a guitar. Nice. Great. Yeah. yeah we need a YouTube of that. Super. And that's it. Actually, you survived. Just one. I can send it to you. All right. And we'll put it in the show notes. so Everybody can check out Anna Mitchell on the guitar. Love it. <laughs> Matt Swaim and Tony Melendez who plays with his feet. Oh, right. I remember when you had that interview. Yep. Oh, all right. Great. Looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes at daniellebean.com. And um, before we have to say goodbye, do you, is there anything you're working on? What are you excited about, Anna? What's going on in your life that you want to share with the listeners? Um, you know, okay, I'm going to ask for everybody's prayers on this. This, this actually does make me nervous to, to say this out loud in public. So I am working on a project for kids Mm-hmm. Um, with Marian devotion, and I just want everybody's prayers that a I find time to do it, and b that I, you know, remain humble throughout, and um, and that that I'm doing it for the right reasons, mm-hmm. and um, that that people are really touched by it, that it that it actually comes to being, comes to be, and um, and you know gets out there and helps a lot of people. Great, that sounds so terrific. I'll leave it that. Okay, and promise you've got the girlfriend's prayers supporting you you through that project and you'll have to give us an update on it whenever you have it i will all right great well if if people want to check out the um sunrise morning show where can they go uh that would be sunrise morning show.com and you spell it s-o-n rise morning show.com and we've actually got an app so if you don't have catholic radio in your area you can still listen to Danielle on the Sunrise Morning Show on <laughs> Tuesdays or um, and all of the other excellent uh, interviews that, that we have during those three hours. We also podcast as well and, and all of that information is at sunrisemorningshow.com. Perfect. All right. So we'll put that in the show notes too so people can check it out. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me and for being a good sport about being on the other side of the mic. I loved talking with you today, Anna. Oh, Danielle, this was this actually was fun. Yeah. Was yeah, we need done. to. All right. Good. So we're both good on both sides. So <laughs> we're, we're an amazing duo. So yes, fun. I'll look oh. forward to having you back on the show. Again. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time and God bless you and all you're doing, Anna. Many thanks to Anna for coming on and being a good sport. I really love Anna and all that she shares in her unique perspective. And you can hear more of it on the Sunrise Morning Show. So definitely check that out. And you can look forward to all that she's going to be sharing in the coming months. So now is when I usually share feedback, but I don't have feedback from you to share and it's not your fault. It's because I'm pre-recording this episode for when I'm going to be away. So this will be publishing while I'm away and I've used up my feedback already from this week. So um, 
give me feedback on this episode. How about that? You can give me feedback on my cup of tea. Tell me what your cup of tea is. Tell me what your challenges are. What things you've struggled with giving up inside of marriage, inside of parenthood, inside of whatever your vocation or your calling is. We all make sacrifices, especially when we're saying yes to something that God has called us to, because that almost always involves self-giving love, which doesn't come naturally to any of us. So that's really the idea behind that first chapter that I shared at the beginning of today's show, which is that it doesn't come naturally to give of ourselves in that way. It's something that we all struggle with, and we all need to gain the proper perspective on what God's calling us to, the greater things that He's calling us to, even though it doesn't always feel good in the moment. It isn't always the thing that we would choose in the moment, that there's something greater, there's something bigger that He's working on us toward, that He's pulling us toward, and that He's waiting for us to say yes to it, even though it doesn't come naturally and it doesn't always feel comfortable in the doing. So give me feedback on that. You can send me an email at Danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on Voxer. Download that app on your phone. It's a really fun way to just send a voice message. Totally easy. Go in the show notes at daniellebean.com. There's a link in every episode's show notes to connect with me on Voxer. Super easy way to leave voice feedback. Another way is if you just want to send me your own MP3, you can record it on your phone and send it to me. Or you can click the tab at daniellebean.com to leave a voicemail. And it will take you to SpeakPipe, where you can leave 90 seconds of feedback that I can possibly share in a future episode. And I would love the opportunity to do that because you know what? Your voice is valuable to me. The things you want to say and that you want to share and that you want to hear about in this podcast is so valuable to me because it's why I'm here. It's why I'm doing this. I want to hear from you. I want your voice to be a part of this podcast, be a part of this community, because I do pray for you guys. I pray for everyone who's listening to this podcast, and I hope that you will also include the community of this podcast in your prayers. I love it. Those of you who send me your notes and let me know that you're praying for me and for my work and for my family, I really value and appreciate that. And I want to encourage you to pray for one another, because I hear from people all the time, everybody is struggling in some way. We all are. This calling of family life is not easy. And so many of us are struggling in it, and there's no reason for us to feel alone in it. So I encourage you to pray for one another. I encourage you to reach out to me and share with me what your prayer requests are, but also share with me what's on your mind, what you'd like to hear about in future episodes, what you liked, what you didn't like, what this episode made you think about, all that stuff. And as always, you can check out all of the extra links and information about stuff we talked about this week at daniellebean.com. And then finally, as always, thank you for being here. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for the vote of confidence you give me with your reviews on iTunes, with your downloads, with your subscription on iTunes, with everything that you share with me, and for just being here, just listening, putting that earbud in your ear, taking me on that run with you, having me sit with you while you're folding laundry. It's a privilege and it's an honor, and I'm very much aware of that fact. So thank you for doing that. And until next time, I hope you'll enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.